Welcome to 321 I Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, the chair and co founder of I Relaunch, and your host for today. Today, we welcome Suzanne Wall. Suzanne is Chief Operations Officer for iRelaunch and a relauncher herself. She's a mother of four, including her youngest daughter, Amelie, who has Down syndrome. We will discuss how Suzanne successfully relaunched her career with a child with special needs. Hi, Suzanne. Welcome to 321i Relaunch. Thanks, Carol. It's great to be here. Well, we're so happy to have you and really appreciate you sitting down with us to talk about this topic of relaunching with a child with special needs. But before we get into that, can we back up a little bit and talk about your pre-career break career before you had kids and and what led up to your career break in the first place? Sure. Um, Out of college, I was hired into a finance training program with a large department store chain. Um, That led to another job in finance and operational management with an insurance company, and eventually to a career in banking. Along the way, I got my MBA at UCLA, um, completed the bank's credit training program, and ended up specializing in international trade finance. Um, By the time I left the workforce, I was a vice president, and I had 15 years of experience. And what led to the career break? Well, we were kind of at a point, uh, we had two children. I was actually home on maternity leave with our second child. Um, We moved um, to suburbs and I had almost a two hour commute uh, to a job at that point. And things were just getting a little bit difficult um, to manage. Uh, And so I at the time, and at the same time, um, there was a lot of consolidation within the banking industry. And my job, I was on maternity leave when my job was eliminated. Uh, so it just, it all kind of came at the right time for me. I was given a very generous um, severance package and uh, kind of used that as a, as a way to, to leave the workforce, give some time and attention to my children and to my family. And uh, it just, it just seemed to be the right thing to do at the time. Um, And then we ended up moving across country from my, uh, my husband's job. We had two more kids and um, then moved uh, again. So it was kind of imperative that I ran things on the home front um, and supported my husband's career. Right. So you're having more kids. You had two big moves and the career break turned into how many years? Uh, A total of 15 years. Wow. Okay. (laughs) So tell us a little bit about uh, the career break and was it longer than you were expecting to have and and, uh, how did that go for you? Yes, it definitely was longer than I'd expected. Our fourth child, Amelie, has Down syndrome, and that was pretty much a game changer. Um, And, you know, by the time she was in preschool, I was kind of thinking, well, you know, I really do need to get back to the workforce. I'd been out for seven years, and, you know, we, I wanted to, um, 
you know, contribute financially. I mean, we were dependent on my husband's job um, to support all of us. And that's, you know, that was a little, just, uh, I was a little anxious about that. We were both a little anxious about that. Um, and uh, that was actually about the time you and Vivian had uh, published your book. And I remember talking to you and saying how I was, you know, ready to get back on the career track. And right. <laughs> but then I started listing all the things I was doing for Amelie. And I remember you saying, you know, Suzanne, you may not be ready to return to work just yet. Uh, and you kind of pointed out how full my plate was with you know, really critical responsibilities that were not going to go away when I went back to work. And in many ways, that conversation gave me the per the permission to focus on what I really, what I knew I really had to do. And, uh, and that was focus on my child and making sure that I did everything for her early development so that she'd be, be better prepared um, for an independent future. Um, so I kind of viewed my my time at home with my children and especially with Amelie as an investment that would pay off in the future. You know, this readiness question that you talk about is so important for relaunchers and it's different for every relauncher because all of our circumstances are so different, why we take the career breaks, what happens during those career breaks and this wrestling with when is that right moment is exactly what you're uh, pinpointing in that conversation that you and I had when you were seven years in. So I, I, I just want to highlight that uh, for our listeners because it's such an important uh, milestone moment to understand when I'm ready and also when I'm not ready. Absolutely. I mean, you need to make sure that you've got the appropriate supports at home so that you can focus on the job. Um, and without that infrastructure, you end up just being stretched too thin and it's impossible to be effective at home or in the job of caring for your family. So that's, that's critical. And we face that talking to relaunchers every day. Um, it, it's, it's critical. Right. And, you know, some people are single parents and some people have family support around and some people don't. And, you know, we're specifically talking about a situation with a child with special needs. And it's interesting uh, for me to hear you talk about this time at home as an investment. And I want to know if you can give us a little more detail there about what were the components of that investment and how did it help you structure that next period of time of your career break before you went back? Uh, sure. Yeah, this is, is critical. Um, first off, a child with developmental delays needs extra help learning the things, you know, that come typically uh, or come naturally to a typical child. Uh, these first years are especially critical. Um, so the efforts we made with Amelie, uh, for instance, speech therapy or physical therapy. Um, I had her in multiple preschools, one for special needs students and one mainstream school with an inclusion program. I was taking her to music lessons, dance lessons, and, and these were all critical to her early development. Um, the same was true when she entered elementary school. Uh, it was very important to us that she be mainstreamed as much as possible, but 
this required tutoring and lots of support at home. Um, a good example, uh, we knew that she would be slow to develop her speech. Uh, so we all learned sign language so that we could communicate with her with sign and language as her language was developing. Um, I also made a lot of effort to work within my community to build a network of supports. Um, this included, you know, caregiver, respite caregivers, competent babysitters, um, building, it involved building relationships with people that I could turn to in an emergency. Uh, we've never lived in a place where we were close to family who could help us out. And in those first years, Amelie was a very fragile infant. She was hospitalized several times, and it was a real scramble uh, to provide the support and the care she needed, as well as the care for her siblings who were young children themselves. So there was an awful lot going on. Uh, but again, our goal for Amelie has always been independence. Um, we've never been sure what that would look like, but we knew that her level of independence would be determined by her capabilities. So my aim was to do everything I could to help her achieve her highest potential. And it sounded like you were doing this, as you're saying, in an environment where you were not living near family. So you moved twice and essentially had to build that community up from scratch. Yes. <laughs> wow. So huge investment there of, of your own time and it, everything that you had to pay attention to, as you're saying, for Amelie and three older siblings. Yes. Wow. Um, so... Can you tell us a little bit more about how you then approached your your relaunch? Like, how did you then know you were ready? What had happened at that point? Uh, well, I really was not able to consider returning to the workforce until I had a child who could drive. Mm -hmm. I was, you know, running carpools and getting kids to various activities, supporting Amelie. It just... It really didn't make sense until my oldest child had a driver's license. And, you know, by that point, um, it was it was kind of critical that we, you know, added to our income. I mean, we were staring down the barrel of uh, multiple college tuitions. Um, they were not far on the, on the horizon, and uh, we needed that extra income. And... Uh, so by the time I returned to the workforce, I, as I said, been out for 15 years. And quite frankly, it was not a great time. The economy was still in recession. Um, unemployment was high. Um, and, you know, and I'd been out for a while. Uh, so what I did was I went back to what I knew and what I had a proven track record in. Uh, I applied for and got an interview um, for a corporate credit analyst position. Um, and I was very upfront about my career break at, you know, when I interviewed, but I stressed that I was now ready to return to the workforce. I had the full support of my family, and um, they accepted that. They gave me a case study as part of my interview process, and they liked the work I did and my writing style, so I got the job. Um, and, you know, I got the job based on my training and experience, um, 
but also, you know, they were, they were, they really needed people who understood credit. And uh, fortunately, a lot of things had changed, but the principles of lending and determining credit worthiness really hadn't changed. And so I was able to get right back into it. I want to highlight this for our listeners, this very important statement that the fundamental principles of credit risk analysis had not changed. We hear this from relaunchers in multivariate statistics, in uh, certain engineering areas, even in library science. But And we'll hear people um, in financial analysis or credit risk analysis say the fundamental principles of credit risk analysis have not changed. So was there a layer of technology on top of that, that spreadsheet analysis or, I don't know, pivot tables in Excel that you had never done or had to, had to remember that you that you had to understand or update or somehow had you kept up with this while you were on career break? Huh. You know, I actually was not that far behind on the technical tools aspect. I I was a little unfamiliar with some of the internal communication systems um, that were being used in my work environment. Um, So I had to do a little bit of boning up there, but quite frankly, the job was easier. I mean, back when I had first started in in banking, we needed to, you know, write to companies and get their, you know, the physical copies of their annual reports. We needed to talk to people on the phone to, you know, get their um, financial information. And, you know, now I was back in doing the same job and all of it was accessible on the internet. So it was actually, in many ways, easier uh, to do the kind of credit analysis I had been trained in. Um, and in the meantime, you know, I hadn't been, a com- I wasn't a complete dinosaur. I had used Excel um, for many different things while I was on career break. I, I used my career break to, you know, continue to be active in my community. I was working with other organizations that, um, you know, were involved with the special needs community. And that gave me opportunities uh, for leadership, gave me opportunities to get out of the house and network with other people, Um, all for the benefit of my child. But it was also helping me to maintain and even, you know, uh, improve my my skills and to be better prepared to go back to the workforce. So I don't view that break as, um, as lost time in terms of my uh, prepa- preparation for returning to the workforce. I love how you describe this, Suzanne, uh, as how you looked at your career break. And this is part of what we talk to employers about and what they're increasingly recognizing is that the career break itself can represent a time of growth. Even while we are focusing on the reasons we took the career break for. So, uh, th- so that's, that's also really important uh, for our audience to think about. Uh, I'm just going to take a quick break here and, and let those of you know who have just tuned in that you are listening to 321i Relaunch. This is your host, Carol Fishman-Cohen, and I'm speaking with Suzanne Wall, 
our chief operating officer here at iRelaunch, mother of four, including her youngest who is Down syndrome. And we are discussing relaunching with a child with special needs. And we just talked about Suzanne's first relaunch uh, in banking. And we're about to talk about her second relaunch uh, at, at iRelaunch. But before we do that, Suzanne, one thing that you mentioned about your banking job that was your first relaunch, did you apply? And to a cold job opportunity that you saw online, and then you got an interview from that, or was there a personal connection involved? I, that is, that's a great question. I did throw my resume out um, to a number of companies that I had researched and thought would be a good fit, and thought that would be open to, um, you know, to my candidacy. My application had been, I, I think I'd applied to another position and that hadn't gone anywhere, but I'd also been doing some networking and I had a friend who had another friend whose next door neighbor was somehow involved at US Bank and she kind of passed my resume on and then Someone else called me. It, you know, there was probably a lot of uh, back and forth that I wasn't even aware of, but I'm sure that that personal connection got got me that that second uh, look. And someone called me and said, "Yeah, I saw your resume. You know, was in our file, and I'm interested, you know, in talking to you about this position." Uh, so it just it it was sort of a two pronged approach, but it it probably wouldn't happen had I not told everyone I was looking for work and done that that networking that is so critical to to really getting uh, getting recognized. Right, you're illustrating one of the best practices that we talk about: get out of the house and go public with your job search. And this whole idea that when you're saying a friend of a friend's neighbor might have been the one who ended up passing your resume along. That is such an important point because that's why we have to get out of our immediate circle when we're relaunching because ultimately your friend of a friend's neighbor is going to be the one who is, who's passing your resume along to the key contact inside the company. So Yeah. Um, so Suzanne, can you give us a sense of what life was like when, once you were back at uh, U.S. Bank and you had these four kids and how did it go? Oh, boy. You know, it was exhilarating to be back in a corporate environment. Um, I was working downtown uh, in downtown Minneapolis, where we live now. And I don't know, you might remember the opening scene of the old Mary Tyler Moore show, you know, the one where she twirls around and throws her hat in the air. Yeah. (laughs) But there's a statue of her on that exact corner in downtown Minneapolis. And I found myself walking by it every day on my way to work. And it became my touchstone, you know, my symbol of triumph and success. And, you know, it felt great to be a relauncher. Um, you know, it was, it was fun. 
I love that. I love the visual of you walking by that. And because I know exactly what you're talking about, uh, that, that, that image of her twirling and, and I think throwing her hat up in the air or something. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, so every day you would walk by and have that little bit of inspiration as you were going in and celebration of being back. Exactly. Yeah, it was great. Um, but you know, it was a crazy life. Um, I, I, Developed my network of supports within the community, and I'd I'd even arranged with my employer to work from home when necessary. Um, but the rest of the family had to step up. Um, my husband had to pick up some of the household logistics. Uh, we had this elaborate family calendar so that everyone knew what was going on. You know, you've got six people all going in different directions. Uh, it was kind of crazy. Um, but Amelie's sister and her brothers had to take responsibility for each other. Um, they worked out rides um, to school and practices and, you know, who was picking her up at the after school program. Uh, they helped out with the, ch the chores. Um, you know, these were all things that I was used to taking care of when I was not working. Uh, so it was, a, it was a game changer at home. Um, but, you know, it was good practice for the children uh, because it allowed it allowed us to model for them a home life where both parents are working full time. You know, the kids were too young or, or not even born um, when I'd been working before. So I wanted my sons and my daughter to see how parents balance work and family responsibilities because they're going to have to do that in their adult lives. And I wanted them to see you know, how it was done. Um, the other thing that was really important um, to my husband and I is that these, our kids, um, they began to not just imagine what a life would be where they were responsible for their sister, um, but they actually had to live it. And, you know, that was important. That was important for them, and it was important for us um, because they need they needed to do that. And you know they're great with her, and you know it's it's been in the end it was good for the whole family. And this was before there was Google Calendar, right? This was all manual. Yeah. <laughs> that, that that elaborate calendar was on an Excel spreadsheet. You know what? I was one of the early adopters. I had a Palm Pilot back in the day, and I oh, wow. I figured out how to sync that with my computer. And um, I I commuted on the bus to work, um, and I would use that time to, you know, I was on my iPad, and I would be managing the calendar and sending emails and coordinating pickups and yeah it, it it was a lot but it it worked and did you have a family meeting or like I'm going back to work and all these things are going to change and you know you guys need to work out the, this pickup schedule for Amelie and coordinate what did that happen as the result of a lot of conversation and advanced planning before your first day of work and how did that how did that happen ah that was interesting um I, I don't think the kids really believed me when I said I was going back to work. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the I remember the dinner conversation. I said, "Well, um, got an announcement. I, I'm going back to work," and they were dumbfounded. <laughs> but you know, we 
we worked it out. And uh, yeah, we've, we've always had a tradition of family meals. You know, we, we try to, you know, sit down for dinner. Um, sometimes it's late, but we, we managed to do it. And I remember a lot of those, those meals were basically, you know, calendaring sessions. <laughs> and, right. You know, and then once everyone was driving, you know, just juggling cars and, uh, you know, it was, uh, it, yeah, it takes some logistics, but, you know, you work it out. And, uh, and then, uh, you know, sometimes I, I found that, um, yeah, we, we use technology a lot, you know, parenting by text was, was kind of my mantra. And, um, we made it work. Um, so you were at the bank almost five years when you decided to leave because of new considerations regarding Amelie. And I want to know if you can talk about that part a little bit as she was getting older and, and how things changed. Sure. That, you know, this is the one thing that we always have to remember is that things change. I mean, it was perfect for me to go back to work when I had a child who could drive. The kids were all in school and school was, you know, they were close to where Amelie was in school. Everything was working out well, but, um, you know, and, and my job was going well. Um, I'd been promoted. I was taking on more responsibilities and working longer hours. Um, but as the older children started leaving for college, my supports at home began to evaporate. Um, I found myself taking more time away from work to attend to Amelie's needs. Uh, you know, my lunch breaks were spent scheduling appointments and coordinating rides and caregivers. And uh, we got to the end of, I guess, um, my third child was a senior in college and it was kind of the end of the the year and I had used all my vacation time I was exhausted and I was kind of resentful and and I was worried that I still wasn't doing enough to keep Amelie um where she needed to be and and prepare her uh, and it, at that point, my husband and I, you know, really took a, a hard look at our situation and reassessed our options. And uh, we had to kind of go back to the fundamentals and ask ourselves if we were really investing for the future. I mean, yes, I was contributing financially, um, but at this point, you know, Amelie was in high school and we only had a few more years um, to prepare her for adulthood. And, you know, these years would be critical. Um, so we, we kind of made a decision and I retired, I guess, from U.S. Bank and decided to focus on helping Amelie make the most of her high school career. Mm-hmm. And that must've been a really hard decision. Um, and, and then, what did it feel like once you were back? I guess at this point you thought you were retired. So maybe you looked at it from that standpoint, as opposed to I'm going on a second career break or how did you think about it? I thought about it as just hitting the pause button. Right. I, I needed to, to regroup. I liked my job, but I didn't love it. And I also was looking at the number of years I had left 
to devote to a career and realizing that I just didn't have enough runway to reach the level that I wanted to be at, at in a banking career. Um, so I, I thought, you know what, let's, let's just hit pause. I'm going to focus on what I really need to focus on, which is preparing Amelie for independence. And then let's just see what happens. Um, and, you know, actually within, I mean, it was less than a year of leaving the bank. That's when you and I reconnected. And I think you knew <laughs> yes. at the time that I had left my job at the bank. That's correct. I did not know when we reconnected. <laughs> yeah, that was that was 2016, and you know, relaunch was was growing rapidly. And uh, I remember you you texted me and said, "You know, what are you doing?" <laughs> and uh, yeah. you asked if I could help out with a few projects. And of course, you know, I couldn't pass that up. That was a great opportunity because, you know, I I guess I. You know, I really believed in the mission of iRelaunch. I had lived it, and you know, it was it was a fun project. Um. Well, <laughs> we're thrilled that you are on board. And I I have though a question for you uh, on the personal side, Suzanne. Now that you have re relaunched, as I know you call it at iRelaunch, um, what's Amelie doing now, and and how are things are going with her? Oh, it's been it's been great. Um, you know, it's, she was able to do a lot of things in these last few years of high school that I just don't think I would have had the bandwidth to support. Um, for instance, she's played on several unified Special Olympics teams that um, we actually were part of the group that started a unified Special Olympics program in her high school. And that's been really gratifying. In fact, she was on the team that represented Minnesota in the USA Games at uh, in Seattle this last summer, and they came they came home with silver medals. It was pretty cool. Oh, what, wait, Suzanne, can you explain what a unified team is? Ah, uh, yes, that's that is game changing. Unified Special Olympics is children or, or adults with and without disabilities playing together on the same team as equal partners. And what this meant for basketball, for instance, is that there would be three athletes, um, students with disabilities of various types, and two partner um, players, children without disabilities, and they play together against another team that looks the same. And uh, it's just, it's great. It, it allows the, um, the students with, with disabilities to play a sport and play it well. And it also, in many ways, is beneficial to the students who don't have disabilities because they begin to see the disabled community as people, as individuals. And it has been just a game changer in the school system. It has opened up a truly inclusive environment. And we're seeing that grow beyond the schools into the community uh, and even into the workforce. Um, so I'm, I'm passionate about 
what this concept of true inclusion has has meant for the community at large. Right. And I'm sorry, I interrupted. You were just, you were talking in general about where Amelie is now and, and what's happening in her life. Yeah. Oh no, she's, she, you know, this, this program of, you know, this unified program has really opened up opportunities for her. Um, she's performed in school assemblies and, um, she actually has, you know, modeled in fashion shows and and even had a speaking role in a feature length film. Um, that was just something that came up uh, that she was able to do. Uh, she has lots of friends, uh, both with and without disabilities. Uh, and she was even voted homecoming queen her senior year. So. Wow. Really fun. Um, She has a part-time job. She works at Trader Joe's and is just loving it. Um, And last month, uh, she addressed a crowd of over 600 people at a fundraising event um, with a speech that she'd written herself. Um, So, but the the best part is that in August, um, she's leaving home to attend a local university. Uh, This is a two-year inclusive college program. Uh, It's designed specifically for people with intellectual disabilities. Wow. Yeah. Make me cry. I just thinking about, because I've known you and, and your family this whole time and known about what you meant about making that investment and look at where you are now and where Amelie is now. So. Yeah, we don't, we don't know exactly what she'll do after graduation, uh, but, you know, she's got to step up and she is, you know, she's proving that she can do things that nobody imagined. And, you know, I, that was the investment we were making. And, um, I think it's paying off. Yeah, really, really sounds like it. Well, Suzanne, um, thank you so much. This is so personal and we are so appreciative of you sharing the details of your family life and your relaunch, uh, with us and with our, I relaunch community. Um, as we're wrapping up, I have one final question that I want to ask you. This is a question that we ask all of our podcast guests, but I'm going to ask it a little differently. We usually ask for the best piece of advice that you would give our relauncher audience, but I think you might have more than one piece. So what is the best piece of advice you would give to our relauncher audience about relaunching with a child with special needs? Um, Well, I I do have some thoughts, but I, I want to preface this with, you know, this is my story, and I realize, you know, everyone has their own circumstances and challenges. And, you know, it's important to realize that success is measured differently for each of us and for each of our children. So with that being said, these are the, these are the things that I would suggest people pay attention to. Um, first, be patient. Um, your time will to return to the workforce will come, but it may not be when you think it, you're ready. Um, you, need to, you need to be patient. Um, the second is very key, invest for the future. Um, you're not always going to be there for your child, so work towards independence, whatever that may look like. Um, 
continue to build your skills um, while on career break. You never know where you're you're picking up a skill or a um, an experience that's going to be useful down the road. Um, share the load, um, you know, with your family, with your community, with your community supports. Um, you cannot do this alone. And then above all, be flexible. Um, be willing to, you know, to regroup, rethink, um, change direction when necessary, um, and you know, and be able to adjust um, when the need arises. Right. Excellent advice, Suzanne. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you, Carol. This was fun. Thanks for letting me tell my story. And thanks for listening to 321 I Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, the chair and co founder of I Relaunch, and your host. For more information on I Relaunch, go to irelaunch.com. And if you like this podcast, be sure to rate it on iTunes and your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to share this podcast with a friend on Facebook, Twitter, and other social media. Thanks for joining us.